It's Jess. Welcome back to the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast where I discuss all things style, wellness, and pop culture and whatever else I feel like discussing from week to week. I took an impromptu unscheduled vacation from you guys. Fully was not intending to um, for Christmas, for the holidays. I ventured to visit home in Atlanta for a couple of weeks just to be around my people, watch my niece open her gifts, and kind of recharge. I think I've discussed this before on the podcast, but visiting home in Atlanta is always a welcome challenge for me because if you're new here, (laughs) um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health and for therapy and I fully understand that going to therapy is a huge privilege for those of us who are able to take part in it I highly encourage you to it's transformative that's another conversation for another day but I have been in therapy for a few years now and am really kind of getting to the root of some of my issues and some of my patterns and it can be really hard to experience mental emotional spiritual growth and go back into familiar areas because it's like a minefield for triggers um and then it's also really hard to go around people who know you in a really specific or familiar way um when you're trying to grow beyond what they may have remembered about you and it's more my own personal work as opposed to things that my childhood friends slash family need to do you know to change to accommodate me it's really more so me learning my own boundaries and how to prioritize myself protect myself not people please not allow other people to get too In my head it's always a little bit tricky to stay focused when I'm Atlanta when I'm in Atlanta my base I feel where I feel the most grounded is my apartment in Brooklyn and that's really different for me because Atlanta is my hometown I absolutely love it I love being from the south side west side uh, southwest Atlanta whichever one it depends on who I'm talking to that day but just not the east side and north side anyway um it's my home and i love it and i have such amazing and supportive friends and family there and knowing that makes it really challenging for me to see that space in any light other than super positive but i think once your awareness gets activated it's hard to turn it off and you develop different interests and lean more into your own values and what's important to you. And when you look around and see that those values are not necessarily in alignment with people who you love and respect and admire, it becomes a challenge of, okay, this person is in my life. I want them in my life. How do I keep them there in a way that is conducive to my own well-being? With that being said, that's why you guys did not hear from me. last week or a week before last but I'm back for 2021 we made it 
I'm fully aware that, you know, the clock striking 12 does not automatically mean that the shit show that was 2020 is automatically over. But I do think it's important for us, even though we are still in a pandemic, we are still hopeful that Joe Biden's presidency will usher in some sense of a new normal that is miles away from what we've endured the past four years. Those things are still present, but just allow people to bask in the possibility of something better. I don't think that anyone thinks that automatically when they there's a new year that things magically get better, but there is a collective sense of a fresh start. So allow people to have that. I am currently recording at my desk in front of my window, so I'm sure you guys can hear the sounds of Brooklyn. I hope you'll bear with me. This is going to be just kind of a freestyle episode. Uh, like I said, I'm I came back to Brooklyn before the new year because I wanted to clean my apartment, get settled in my space, write out my intentions, and really do so from a very grounded and peaceful place. And my my mom's house in Atlanta right now is not that. So that was another part of me prioritizing myself is bringing my ass back here when I felt like I needed to. So I just want to touch, you know, touch base with you guys on a few things. So um, just going to cover a couple of topics and let y'all go. I have hopefully some good and big things planned for the podcast this year. I want to, before I even get to the next section, thank all of my patrons who are helping me to um, produce this podcast for free. Thank you so much for your monthly contributions. It means the world to me that I'm a part of your life in that way. I cannot emphasize enough the extent to which that makes me feel good. And also, if you're not a patron, it's perfectly fine. But just shouts out to the patrons for supporting your girl. And shouts out to the listeners Thank you guys for tuning in with me each week and listening to me scream into the void. So stay tuned. We're going to cover a couple of topics today. I'll be right back. Okay, guys, I am back. First thing I want to talk about is my journey of self-discovery when it comes to fat phobia. Uh, Before the holiday break, I did a video about Lizzo and the fact that the, I guess you would call the fat community, really came out against her because she expressed that she wanted to make some changes and was having a really hard time with her body after coming back from a trip and wanted to do a cleanse and the fat community felt like she betrayed them. Um, There were people talking about they were going to get a Lizzo tattoo and now they don't want to because she's being so harmful. And I just found that so shitty because I don't think those people understand that by telling her that she's not welcome to sit at your table because of how she feels about her body they're basically doing the same thing that diet culture tells and mainstream media and a number of other sources tells women who aren't of a certain size or body type that they aren't acceptable um I did a whole YouTube video about it I will link in the episode description if you want to recap that 
but this led me to diving deeper into what exactly diet culture is what exactly fat phobia is um i just realized there's a difference between fat phobia and fat shaming so i just want to touch on that a little bit because as you guys know or maybe you don't know maybe you're new here hey girl hey love you thank you for joining i have struggled with weight gain for a probably since college since i graduated from college and I find it so ridiculous because I look at pictures of myself back then and I'm like, what the hell was I tripping on? And what I was tripping on was other was internalizing other people's statements about my body. I really, when I got to college, I weighed, I think like 105 pounds or something like that. And I had huge boobs and a tiny waist and I had a little, the cutest little butt. I was just like this little petite person. And next thing I know, I... By the time I graduated, I think I weighed about 130, 130, 135. The guy who I was dating at the time would make comments about my body. Friends would make comment, quote unquote friends would make comments about my body like, you look good, don't get don't gain any more weight from this. It was really, really hard. Um, and because my depression got really, really, really bad in college, and I had no awareness of why people were saying these things. Very long story. I consistently uh, kept gaining weight just from what I'm learning now is that I was eating for comfort. And it's something that I'm actively working on while also trying not to be obsessed with my body weight, with my size, with what I look like. But it's really hard to do that because diet culture is so pervasive we're constantly being told to detox. We're constantly being told, oh, you're great, but you could be better if you were a little bit smaller. We see so many images of ideal body types and you may think, oh, none of that stuff matters, but it does sometimes seep in to the extent that I didn't even realize how incredibly pervasive fat phobia is. Now, fat phobia is different from fat shaming. Fat shaming is what people do when, you know, Lizzo posts a picture of herself in a bikini and they make awful comments. I think social media comments are where souls go to die. But anyway, um, fat phobia is an irrational fear of being fat or being around fat people. And that lends itself to just all these really harmful beliefs that we have about people who are of a certain size that, oh, they must not be healthy, they must eat really poorly, there must be a moral failure on their part that they have no self-control, and just all these different things that make it easier for us to judge people who don't look like us, and it's a really shitty way to believe. And, you know, even the fact that we think that people don't, you know, won't be loved, that they won't be cast in certain movies. And even the clothing industry, which y'all know how much I love style, does not do enough for people who are beyond, honestly, like a size 10. If you're bigger than a size 10, and that 10 sometimes is like, girl, who's 10 is this? <laughs> it can be hard to, to shop confidently for clothing. And, you know, since quarantine, I know I have plateaued or gained a few pounds. Like, I am not in the best place with how I feel about my body right now. So, 
you know, I don't want to, it's, it's really complicated to extend compassion. You know, I'm on this mindful self-compassion journey with this workbook and all these things. It's hard to extend mindful self-compassion to yourself while also demanding that you be smaller. They can't work in the same space. So I've been following this really amazing dietitian. Um, she's a black girl and she really teaches anti-diet culture. Um, she teaches intuitive eating and intuitive movement and it's not this restrictive, you can have this, you can't have that. Those kinds of things have never ever worked for me. I did Whole30 once. It was incredibly difficult and just not sustainable for me. So said all that to say, I am really excited to work with this dietitian to see if I can, you know, I don't want my goal to be, I want to lose X amount of weight. I really, really do want to fit into my clothes better. And I feel like even by saying that I'm somehow engaging in fat shaming or fat phobia is something that I'm still actively learning about and learning how not to be a part of the problem and to not participate in in perpetuating those beliefs but I think people are also allowed to feel how they want to feel about their body like even I have friends who are just so so tiny and when they say things about wanting to lose weight I'm like I don't even know that I like I have to respect how you feel about your body but what are you even talking about and it's all very complicated it is a process you guys know uh last year I started a wellness journey, which included a really big fitness component, and COVID definitely threw a wrench in those plans, but I'm still working on all of those things. Mental and spiritual and emotional wellness will always be a priority for me, and I think that by really pouring a lot of intentional energy into healing those parts of myself, my physical parts of myself will follow um in in being well i genuinely think that i i i know for a fact that i do overeat and i think that if i just got to the root of why i overeat and you know can find some ways to feel comfortable without doing that i will see changes in my body but i'm not sure i really just want to feel better about my body i want to commit to getting more movement in my body every day and it's a whole journey but I just want to encourage you guys to become a little bit more aware of the things that we say about other people's bodies the things we say about our own the comments that we make um and and you have no idea that some of the things that you may be saying about someone else's body could be really hurtful to people who you're talking to so just want to practice a little bit of awareness compassion and empathy in that space uh, I will, again, link to some resources in this episode description. So that's one thing. Um, oh, and, and a major part about that is if a person posts something about their weight or just posts a picture and and you feel like they look really great and they've lost all this weight, don't comment on their weight unless they've said something about it because there have absolutely been times where girls who I follow have lost so much weight and so many people like oh my god you look great what did you do and come to find out that person had you know really severe mental health issues and the cocktail of 
meds that they are on to improve that you know chemical imbalance led to weight loss and that can be a really personal thing like she can't prescribe to you the different antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds or whatever that she had to take and you know without that even being the goal so it can be a really intrusive thing to ask a person or to assume or to speculate I think for me personally if a if someone has you know done the the work of like you know committing to a to a different lifestyle and eating in a way that they feel is better for them and moving in a way that they feel is better for them and that resulted in weight loss and they want to celebrate it I'm absolutely going to celebrate that with them because people should be allowed to do what they need to do to and with their bodies to feel good within reason obviously if they're not hurting anyone else or themselves but I'm not going to just assume that every person who has lost weight is super healthy or that every person who has gained weight is not healthy or that they're going through something or whatever bodies are different bodies change over time if you're lucky enough to live so just some things to consider um i'm also doing this 30-day yoga challenge with yoga with adrian it's free it's on youtube I find yoga to be incredibly challenging. I do not do yoga in a class because I'm too self-conscious about my lack of flexibility. What I enjoy about yoga is that it encourages you to be gentle with yourself. You don't have to seek perfection. It's just a matter of showing up and, and doing whatever your personal best is that day. And something that I have historically struggled with is working at things that I'm not great at. I used to be a person who was like, oh, if I'm not good at this, this is just not my ministry and I can just move on from there. I won't worry about it. Um, math was one of those things. I was just like, mm, child, I'm not good at math. So I'm not even going to bother studying or practicing. It's just not my vibe, um, which makes no sense. You can't do that and be successful in school. So thankfully I figured that out. But that's why I'm doing yoga. One of my non-scale related victories is that I would like to become more flexible because I don't like waking up and feeling like I need to put WD-40 on my knees for them to feel good. I don't like having a stiff body. I don't like feeling flow in my movements and in my body. So that's one of my reasons for doing yoga. Again, if you know, I can fit my clothes better from consistently practicing beyond the 30-day challenge, all the better. But I do think it's important to have non-scale related physical wellness goals. Some people really want to be stronger. I definitely would like to be a stronger person as well. So they have, you know, they want to bench press a certain amount of weight. Things like that I think are are really cool and, and beneficial, especially because we can't resist there being a new year and wanting to set these, you know, different goals for ourselves. The next thing I want to talk about is um, y'all know how much I love, love, love TV. So I watched a show called Bridgerton. It combined many of my favorite things. I love a period piece. I love exceptional costuming. I love beautiful cinematography and easy scandals you know this show was not so heavy where like the stakes are so high but it was very intriguing it's another Shonda uh Shonda Rhimes production on Netflix uh I encourage you guys to watch it I binged it with my mom we really enjoyed it 
Here's what, though, Andy Cohen voice. I was discussing Bridgerton with a friend, and even though there was a lot of, you know, there's the blind casting and black people and white people are on equal societal footing, I could not help but notice that, true to form, there was no, there weren't a lot of black couples where both partners were black and even the married couple that is black, the wife is very, very fair skinned and has, you know, a certain texture of hair. And I, hmm, I even noticed that the, the black character, the black, one of the main black girl characters, she had to be the girl who experienced an unplanned pregnancy, who was so worldly, who was kind of like, you know, hard scrap and, you know, came from a a more difficult background. And these are things that I noticed 100%, but I still wanted to enjoy the show. So two things. Number one, once your awareness to certain things is activated, it's really hard to turn it off. But I don't want to be someone who is so aware that I can't enjoy anything. I just don't think that that's any kind of way to live. To I think it's fine to call things out, but and to be critical. And I think we can be critical of things that we love and, and enjoy. You know, those two things can happen at the same time. But I don't want to be so aware that I can't enjoy things. The other thing that this this really highlighted for me is we don't see enough occurrences, especially in period pieces, you know, because race is such a dividing factor in so many things. But even in something like this, like a fantasy type situation um, where black and white people are on equal footing uh, and it's more so divided by socioeconomic status, um, we don't see enough black damsels in distress. And my friend and I were discussing this in a clubhouse room where it was just the two of us. And we talked about it for hours. Would we have even been comfortable seeing the the character of Daphne had she been black? Are we comfortable with a black woman being a multidimensional person with one of those dimensions being vulnerability and innocence? I just don't think that we really get to see that, which begs the question in a broader sense in real life are women allowed are black women allowed to be both strong and vulnerable I've always found it really troubling that we're celebrated and punished for our strength you know you have these like incels and like terrible people who speak really poorly about quote unquote independent women and career women and Hallmark has built a whole industry of Christmas movies basically telling women that you have to give up your career if you want to find love and but why aren't we allowed to also be human in that way why aren't we also allowed to have moments of vulnerability and to be treated with softness or to just be innocent in the world are we you know would that have even if that character, if Daphne, the main character, had been black, would it have read through in the same way? Would we have found it problematic that this girl seemed, quote unquote, weak? And again, back to real life, I do have a legitimate fear or anxiety about whether or not I can be a feminist and also be in a relationship with a man who I just want to be capable 
I just want to date a capable man, among other things. I want to be with someone who knows how to get shit done. I don't want to be with someone who has been infantilized to the point that partnership with me renders me being another parent to them. And my therapist is telling me, like, you won't know, like, cross that bridge when you get there. You don't know what what may happen. But as I have decided to open myself up more to the possibility of romantic love being a part of my life, I do have these fears that I can't be both because I don't think that I have seen both exist in, in even fictionally. Um, I definitely see certain things like if you look at Bridget Jones's diary and, you know, Mark Darcy is always like, you know, I love you exactly as you are. That's like a dream. Like I, I want to be with someone who does not require that I shut down or shrink myself and that they respect that I am a multidimensional human person with my own thoughts and opinions that I'm not a doll for them to, you know, dress up, play with, put on a shelf. I just don't want to feel that way. So things to consider. I don't know what Shonda, I, I wonder if it's an intentional thing that she's doing where we see so many interracial couples in her work. And I was telling someone, I don't recall ever not seeing biracial or interracial couples. I don't ever recall not seeing um, biracial people on TV. I feel like that's not even really a progressive thing to do is to have in the commercial like a, a, a multi-ethnic you know, family. I feel like I've seen that my whole life. What I feel like I don't see a lot of is two dark-skinned people in love. <laughs> you know, we saw that insecure and it was like such a phenomenal thing that like, why haven't we seen this more often, even in the heyday, you know, of black sitcoms? Um, it wasn't a whole lot of dark skin love, I don't think, not not compared to the broader sense of what we saw. So that's definitely something that I'm thinking about and wondering, like, why Shonda won't let us have two brown people in love? <laughs> and I wonder if it's intentional or not. But either way, I definitely enjoyed Bridgerton, even though I did clock those things, even though I did clock the colorism, I did clock, you know, maybe some, I don't even want to say missteps. I clocked it. <laughs> um, but I still was able to enjoy it. And I also got to watch Soul with my family, which I really enjoyed. And I was incredibly disappointed to see criticisms of that show where people felt like oh it's a show it, it was a, it's a movie made um it's a black movie made for white people I just did not get that and I think when it comes to to black stories because we're not a monolithic group of people every black person is not always going to be satisfied with every black piece of work or art that comes out and we should be allowed to be critical of things this one I just did not fully, I, I didn't get, I didn't clock it, I didn't understand. I thought it was really, a, a really beautiful and approachable way to talk about the afterlife with children. I thought the message was really good. I enjoyed that Pixar presents these these uh, thematically, I guess, more complicated storylines where People really question, well, what's my purpose? And am I just doing this because I'm supposed to? And well, what if I want to do something different? I, I really enjoy that they're exploring things like that. I wish that 
I'd had more of an inclination to question things like that when I was younger. So I thought the soul was really cute. And to people who have such harsh criticisms of literally everything, go out and make your own. Um, the next and last thing that I want to talk about is, um, oh, and I did write a story for Refinery29, my very first story for Refinery29. It's live. I'm really proud of it. Um, I talked about why I've retired as a bridesmaid and, um, yeah, I'm going to link to that in the episode description if you guys want to check that out, you know, speaking about like my single fears. Anyway, last thing I want to talk about, LLC Twitter has to be stopped, um, Y'all gonna get people put in jail <laughs> because y'all want to flip everything into a money-making adventure. And I really want for us as black people to get to a place where we're no longer pun where we're no longer connecting poverty to a moral failure. I think that is such a huge problem in our society. I think it's such a shitty way to look at things and to look at people where you're relegating them to, oh, you must have failed at something if you don't. It's very expensive to be poor and poor people don't have time for an investment to come through and to to liquidate. Like people need liquid money to take care of themselves today. So I just wish that we could look at things from a broader, a broader spectrum. I really have a huge, huge problem with this belief that financial literacy will dig all poor black people out of of poverty. Some people just need more money. And absolutely, you have to know how to manage it when you get it. And some people do need to, to be educated in that way. But reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and 48 Laws of Power and all this other like very surface level fake intellectual stuff that people are trying to push on on you. I'm not gonna say us because I don't receive that. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But that that amounts to nothing. Everything in life really, we live in a capitalist society. I'm reading this book by Alice Walker, where she talks about like, even creatives cannot thrive in a capitalist society without money. You know, um, she was talking about Zora Neale Hurston and how, you know, she just was not received well by black people during the Harlem Renaissance. They felt like she was too black. They felt like she, you know, was reminiscent of a, a, a time in, in, you know, blackness that they wanted to forget, which is the more Southern rural kind of things where a lot of people in, in the Harlem Renaissance were aspiring to a certain idea of whiteness. And she kind of died in obscurity because she just did not have money. And I recognize that we need money to thrive in this society, but everything cannot be, oh, well, how are you going to make money off of that? Oh, well, da, 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 you need to get an LLC. I just don't think that you guys understand how LLCs work. And I really want you guys to stop telling people to just start random businesses to make quick money where those businesses are actually putting out real, the output of those businesses is shit. I'm not going to call any names, but we have seen people who are just like, I want to make X amount of money. And then they put out shitty products that people buy into that they can't benefit from at all. We've seen enough of that in our society with with white people being at the top of, you know, so many of these enterprises and the way that they 
what's the word I'm looking for? Not manipulate, but take advantage of basically exploit, exploit the, the needs and the desires of, of poor people or people who don't have as much as them. And they give them shitty products, shitty services, shitty beliefs about what they can do. And it amounts to nothing. I, Quick money is just that. It's quick. It comes and it goes. If you aren't building something sustainable, you will be in the child line with the rest of us. So I really just want LLC Twitter to stop to actually read something besides, you know, how to manipulate people into giving you money that you don't deserve type books and actually learn about the implications of what it means to be a good steward of resources and to honor your increase in a in a community kind of way. I just wish that we could be more com- have more of a community mindset. I'm definitely going to have someone on the podcast at a later time to discuss this to dispel some of the LLC Twitter myths that we really need to do away with because it's just honestly it's fucked up on a whole other level. So those are the things that I wanted to touch on. Thank you guys for joining me again. Be sure to check out the episode description for some resources and just some cool things that you guys might want to be that, that you guys might be interested in. I'm looking forward to a another year and beyond with you guys just sharing ideas and things that I'm that I come across that I think you might be interested in and expanding our awareness about the world around us one thing that I wish more people would do is consider that maybe there is a better way to live and to operate that differs from what you have been raised to believe Maybe there's something else out there and not just limiting our beliefs and our behaviors to what's comfortable because what's comfortable isn't always what's great. So anywho, I hope you guys have an excellent rest of your week. I will talk to you guys soon. Um, Drop down in the comments. Let me know if there are things that you guys would like for me to discuss. You can also become a patron where for $7 or $5, $7, you can request me to talk about a specific topic on my YouTube channel or the podcast. And yeah, um, I will link to that. Help me continue to keep this show free and ad free. (laughs) I would like to make a coin because again, we cannot thrive in a capitalist society without money. So help me if you can. And um, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you again for being with me. Bye.